Would you look at the, would you look at the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.20? It's about being ambassadors for the Lord. I used this verse in last Sunday's sermon. It wasn't the true focal point, but today ambassadors is going to be what we focus on. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain, absolutely certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. If you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And Lord, you look at all of us today, but you see me differently. I'm your teacher. I'm your preacher. And upon me is a greater and a more strict judgment than anybody in this room. And I know that. I accept that. And I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. When uh, I get to the end of this sermon, which is not now, I... I uh, I am, you're going to get to the point of where you're going to be thinking of, of other people. And I'm, I'm going to remind you when I get there, don't be thinking of other people. Think about yourself. Look, look at yourself when we get to this point at the end of the sermon, because you can come up to me and say, well, preacher, that sermon was for them today, right? Meaning it wasn't for you, it's for all the other people. Um, what is it they say the only sane people in the world are me and you and sometimes I wonder about you, right? So don't go thinking at other people in this sermon. Let's look at ourselves. Uh, we're dealing with being ambassadors for Christ. Uh, we had this, this was a very small portion in our, our, our Sunday, last Sunday of dealing with the big five and how we incorporate that into our life. So we're gonna deal with the ambassador today. We're gonna to be dealing with reconciliation today as well. Um, so when we deal with the word ambassador, it, it's, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a Greek word, presbeo, presbeo. And it, we really get the word Presbyterian from this word. So uh, the, Presbyterian, the Presbyterian denomination is actually uh, named after this word ambassador. And it, it's, it's got a picture to it. Now, please don't think in what I'm about to tell you that I am trying to describe the Presbyterian denomination today, okay? Because <laughs> I'm not. I want that disclaimer. It's just what it means. It, it means old people, <clears throat> okay? So don't think I'm relating that to what I think Presbyterians are. Uh, it, it means a, 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 senior, a senior person. S some believe that it had a word picture that meant you were white-haired, that you, had, you, you were aged, and that you were older. And really, it, 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 comes, it comes down to you're an elder. Like the presbyteros of the church is the elders of the church. And so it, it deals with the word ambassador. Uh, it deals with the word old. It, it really all comes together here in just a moment. So why does it have this picture? Why does it have this picture of someone who has years under their belt? 
Well, the, the picture here is not necessarily that you have a, a number of years under your belt. The picture here is that you have become mature in the ways of God. Does that make better sense? Uh, so it's, it's not that you're, you're an elder of the church just because you're old. You become a leader in the church because you have godly wisdom about your life. And you, you, you don't have to wait till you get old to have that. You can have that even at a younger age. Uh, we, it, it, is a, it is about how we should respond, how we should live, it's character, it's influence. It's we are examples and not excuses, right? Uh, so I want you to be able to see that, that, uh, that the word Presbyterian for a denomination means that they are, uh, they are people, they are people who have God's wisdom and they carry God's message is really the picture behind that. I want you to talk about the wisdom of God. I want you to look at James chapter three, verses 13 through 18, and let me walk you down this for a moment. And we're focusing on wisdom. James asked the question, who is wise and has understanding among you? He should show his works by good conduct. I mean, the way you act when you don't get your order right can say a whole lot about you. All right? I uh, just recently had my truck serviced and some tires put on it. And uh, they, they, they put my tires on a completely different vehicle. And they expected me to just blow up. And I said, well, God bless them. You know, maybe they, you know, but I mean, we got them back. They didn't, they didn't run off with them. We had to take them off another vehicle and put them back on mine. But they deal with the public so much that they, they, were, they were thinking that uh, I was just going to just Mount St. Helen, you know, I was just going to erupt. Uh, it, it's, it's, about con it's about conduct and with wisdom's gentleness. Our, our culture and our world is not gentle. Uh, but if you have bitter envy, selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag and lie in defiance of the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, sensual, which means sexual, demonic. For where envy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and there's dysfunction. And every kind of evil will emerge from that place. But the wisdom from above is first pure, is pure, and then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy, good fruits, without favoritism, and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. I wanted you to see a difference, a biblical difference between what is earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom and what is godly wisdom. Now, it, it doesn't mean that you have to have a white beard and a white hair, you men out there, uh, to say that, hey, I, I've, I've got understanding. If you're in the word of God, you will have an understanding. When some people come up with their ideas and their beliefs, they may truly believe that. 
But what I hear a lot of people say they truly believe does not connect with the Word of God, which tells me that is coming from a worldly side and not a kingdom side. Does that make sense? So it, it's, it, you can say you believe whatever, fine. Give me the source. Good journalism is, let's find the source. Give me the source of what is there. So from the word of God, we have an understanding of the world uh, because that wisdom is peace-loving and gentle and pure, and you see that list that is there. Uh, I, I want you to be able to see that. So an ambassador, an ambassador is someone who has a mature understanding and carries with them God's wisdom, but also carries with them God's message. And we'll, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna head there in just a moment. So we're representatives. When you and I deal with ambassadors today at our mind, we're, we're, we can see somebody that's part of the American government that's in another country and is placed in an embassy. I mean, just like the civil war going on in Sudan. We're getting American citizens out, but one of the first things they did is they cleared the embassy, right? They took our ambassador, uh, who is a who is ruling? He has ruling authority, and uh, from our government, and they are there, and so they're removed. So we see ourselves as ambassadors, and we can even see ourselves in that way. So we we are messengers. And what is the message? It's a gospel message, but it's a message of reconciliation. Here's what reconciliation is: it's two opposing forces coming together. Two absolutely opposing forces. I don't, I don't know that all of us are going to agree on everything. I, I, just, I just don't know that we're going to do that, any of us. But a picture here, and we're gonna see in a moment, is we, in, in our rebellion, we were an enemy of God. And we're gonna see what God has done to take his enemies and end up making him them and us, his sons and his daughters. Look at Romans 5, 8, and 11. It's gonna tell you about this. But God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, he loves us. You may, have, you may have God as somebody that's got this big lightning bolt that looks like a javelin and he's just ready to pierce your life with it. Okay, he's just, ready. he's just ready to judge you and to condemn you and to hurt you and, and all those things, to cause bad things to happen to you. If that's the picture of who God is in your mind, you have a wrong picture of God. He doesn't hate sinners, he loves sinners. He loves us. We've gotta get that that God that wants to hurt you picture out of the situation. We'll handle it in a minute. Will he judge? Yes, because he's just. He will judge justly. But he's there, it says, but God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, since we have been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. See that? Some of you are walking around and you're thinking all God wants to do is just stomp us. All God wants to do is just cast his wrath upon us. That, that's not the God that we read about. 
Will he judge people? Absolutely. He should judge people. Hang on. I want him judging people. I don't want you judging people. I want him judging people. You and I won't judge fairly. He will. He's just. So he, he, he's telling us that he's, he's really wanting us to be saved from the wrath of sin and rebellion. For if while we were enemies, do you see that word enemies? While we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life? And not only that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now we have now received this reconciliation that, that is through him. And then the next verse I want you to see is how he adopts us. In this verse, we are his enemies. But he, he really doesn't want his wrath to come upon us. Can his wrath come upon us? Absolutely. But that's not his desire. Will he judge our rebellion and sin? Absolutely. But he would rather you walk in his righteousness. He would rather that be the case. So let's look at Romans 8, 15 and 17. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, which Abba means daddy. It's an intimate relationship. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And I used this last Sunday too. And, and I, I'm using it so that you'll get it. Okay, some of you out there, you think, Don't you, doesn't he have another sermon to preach? I don't. I have many sermons to preach. I'll make them plural instead of singular. But you gotta get this stuff. And sometimes getting it means I have to repeatedly give it to you. And if children, we're no longer enemies now, right? Through Christ's death, we have become his children. We're his sons and his daughters. And if children were heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. What he's given to Jesus, he's going to give to us. I think that's beautiful. Do you not think that's beautiful? If you're wondering, should I amen here? The answer is yes. This is your amen spot. Amen. I mean, this is this is beautiful and glorious that you and I are rebellious enemies of God and he loves us. And instead of bestowing his wrath on us, he gave it to his son, which is his love for us. Because he's not sitting up there going, I can't wait to them to get my wrath. He would rather you get his grace and his mercy and the salvation that he provides to you. So this, this, is a, this is a blessing. This is absolutely what he wants. And I gotta tell you as a pastor, this is my favorite area right here. Because when I think of God, of me being his enemy and rebellious in my heart and my attitude, 
And to think that he loved me enough that he adopted me. And we know in adoption that that adopted child gets everything the biological child does if there's a biological child in the family. And they're equals. They're not lesser than. They're equals. They're same as. And then the beauty, it's just beautiful that he takes us, his enemies, and makes us uh, his children. That's, if it stopped there, that would be wonderful. But it goes on. What he gives Jesus, he's also going to give all of us. I just think that is absolutely an incredible picture of our God, of what he wants to be able to do with you. Um, Kent Hughes, a guy that I read often, and uh, he, he actually quoted somebody else. I tried to research it, but I only got the last name. And uh, Leanne, it's your mama's last name. It's Denny. And, and that's all I could find. But he, he said, uh, he wrote this, and it really comes from another scholar, last name Denny, that's all I know. And he says this, the gospel is not good advice. The gospel is good news. And sometimes we, we carry with us that message. We carry with us that message of reconciliation. And sometimes we think we're just handing out advice like we're telling them to buy a stock. But it's good news. It's really the only hope that he has. And listen to this. Reconciliation is not you, not you making their peace with God. And reconciliation is not you telling them they need to make peace with God. The gospel message is that God's already made peace for you. You hearing that? It's not me telling you what you need to do with God. The gospel message is telling me what God has already done for you. Letting, letting you know because sometimes people reject the gospel message because it's more work for them to do. And some of the relief is to let them know that God has already done the work for them. That he's made peace for them. For them to come together with him and to reconcile. And the picture is that, that God is more than sending his wrath to us is wanting reconciliation with us. He desires to be with us. Listen, let me just tell you something funny. You know, our daughter Laura lives in Austin, Texas, and I, I might see her, I might maybe see her twice a year. I will see her once a year, but maybe twice. And um, Andrew lives in Wilmore and is pastoring a church, but I tell people he might as well live in South Africa, you know, because I hardly ever see him. And, uh, and listen, I, I want you to know this. We, we desire to still be with our children, don't, don't we, older parents, right? I mean, I'll, I'm 62, uh, and I still desire to be, if uh, you ought to watch me and Julie, if Andrew calls. I mean, we look like Keystone cops, running after the phone, bumping into each other, you know, falling back. It looks like a Three Stooges comedy skit, you know. If, if Andrew's calling, now, if you call, I may screen you. I'll get back to you, but I probably won't do that. Laura calls. I'm just like, it's like roller derby, man. I'm just like, boom, you get out of the way, Julie, you know. Hey, am I alone? Am I alone? 
please don't let me be out here all by myself. All right. You mean, we will run over each other to just have that conversation. This morning, I was leaving. Julie was drinking her coffee. And she's talking. And it's all this kind, gooey talk, you know. And I know it's Andrew. And I'm going, honey, I'll see you. Nothing. I got nothing from Julie. Nothing. Honey, I, I'm, I'm gone now. Nothing. I mean, it's as if I didn't even exist. And then guess what? I called him on the way here on the road after I knew she had hung up with him. You're not gonna get that on me, you know? How dare you get that on me? Let me tell you something. Moms and dads, you know how you are with your children. He desires that for us. Does the picture of his fatherhood, him being heavenly father, going beyond ours? Absolutely. But he desires that for us, a relationship with us, how only he can take his enemies and make us his sons and his daughters, to me is one of the most beautiful pictures of the gospel message I have ever seen in my life. And so we carry not good advice, we carry good news. And the good news is that God has already made a way for you to be reconciled to him. He has done that out of his desire to be with you. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. As we go on down, he, he, he made the one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God when it comes to him. Here's the picture of the New Testament that's, re- that's referred to as the new covenant, and it means that he's given us a new promise. God has made a way, and that way is Jesus. If we're gonna make peace, it's only through Christ that we can do that. Look at 2 Corinthians five nineteen. It says, in, that is in this, Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Do you realize he really does not want to hold that against you? You've got to get out of your mind that he enjoys holding that against you. Will you look at this verse? Will you imprint it somewhere? not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to who? He has given it to us. Will he judge sin and rebellion? Yes. Will he judge those who have never surrendered their life to Christ? Yes. Can that condemn them? Does he have the power to condemn them to hell? He does, but he doesn't want to. He has made a way of reconciliation. So when you and I are dealing with people, I'm not telling them they need to reconcile themselves with God. I am telling them that God has made a way for him to be reconciled with them. He has already put that plan together only through Christ. Only through Christ can can we do that. and he would rather us have his grace and peace in what we say when we leave. I, I like saying that. It's kind of a little benediction that we send each other out with. It's kind of a little blessing, but I mean it. We have fun and laugh and yuck it up sometimes with it. We expect it. You know, some of you all use that uh, in, in, uh, in your letter writing. You'll, you'll put that at the end of your letter. Uh, but listen, he, I want you walking out of here in grace and peace. 
I literally want you walking out of here with his grace and his peace. This uh, last Tuesday and Wednesday, I did the funeral of Miss Lucille Graham. She was 101 years old. She was my mother's best friend back in Greensburg. Um, she had a February birthday, Miss Lucille did, my mother did, and two other ladies did. And so I, I grew up celebrating all the family coming together with kind of a potluck in February, not really on anybody's birthday, but just celebrate, celebrating the February birthdays. Hers was the 20th, Miss Lucille's. My mother's was the 9th. So uh, I, I knew she had told me for years, I want you to preach my funeral. And I did. And it was emotional, very emotional for me. Not that I'm sad that she's gone, I'm glad. I celebrate her, but this, this woman and her granddaughter, Alicia Bolin, goes to church here and will. And so I'm pastoring Miss Lucille's uh, granddaughter and great-grandchildren, uh, which is a humbling effect to me, really. So I'm preaching her funeral and I've got a million stories of their house, of their farm, they had a dairy farm uh, out, in, out in Greene County, beautiful area. Uh, it's called, it's the, the community's called Gabe, Gabe Community. So uh, uh, I, uh, I told the story, my dad was sick. My, my dad has had six seasons of his life when I was little. And uh, my dad has been dead to me longer than my dad's been alive to me. So my dad's going on 33 years of being dead and uh, he died when I was 30. So the, his death has been longer than my life with him. And I can remember my dad was really sick and this would have been 1969, 1970, somewhere along there. And uh, <clears throat> you only had landline phones and back then they were party line phones, right? Um, where you could listen in on the gossip going on in your area of the, of the world. And uh, so uh, I, I went to live with them. My dad was in the hospital for an extended period of time and uh, my mom was with him. So uh, they, they just literally farmed me out uh, to the Grahams and I stayed there for a while. And I can remember, uh, and it, it, can be the, it can be any child's fear, but if my dad died, what would happen to my mother and me? What would happen to us? And so I remember one day, uh, my dad wasn't doing well. Uh, Mom in Louisville had called Miss Lucille at her home. And, and so I, I knew he wasn't doing well. So I, I didn't want people to see me cry. <clears throat> so I, I went out and they had a row of trees at the beginning of their front yard. And I can remember standing there and I, I just, uh, just fear was overtaking me. Uh, fear of my dad dying, fear of what would happen to mom and me. Uh, I just, you know, where am I gonna go? What am I gonna do? Where am I gonna be? All those things. And I remember Miss Lucille came out to me. She came out, she put her arm around me and she said, listen, you don't you worry. She said, uh, Dole and I, we're gonna take care of you. Don't you worry. Now, did it help completely? It did not, but it helped a little. When I finished her funeral, we went back to my church, home church at the time, and they had a meal for us there. And I said goodbye to everybody. I drove to that farm 
And I went to the very spot where I stood as a little boy. I mean, I'm, I'm within two or three feet. I'm within a yard of that very, I knew where that spot was. And you know what I did? I thanked God for his faithfulness in my life. I said, God, you have always been there for me. Can you say that right now where you're seated? Say it to him. God, you've been faithful to me. And I stood there. I got ahead of the family. A lot of the, a lot of the family was going to come back to the place and their home place. And I stood there and I said, God, I stood here as a little boy, scared to death. I said, I did. But I, I want to thank you for your faithfulness in my life. There is a God who loves us. Is he wanting to stomp you? No. Does he want to pierce you with a lightning bolt that looks like a javelin? No. Is he out to hurt you? No. He's provided a way for you to be reconciled with him. So we are his ambassadors. And in closing, look at this. This is where I don't want you looking at somebody else. I want you looking at you. We are ambassadors. It means we're representatives. Wherever we go, we represent the Lord. Wherever we go, we represent our family and friends. Wherever we go, you're representing our church. I remember my first churches, I wanted to get bumper stickers. They really didn't have signs that, you know, went on, that you could put on windows then, but it was a bumper sticker. And I remember an old, one of the deacons named Harvey Annell, Harvey, great guy. And uh, I remember I wanted to get bumper stickers on there and kind of brand our church. And, and uh, he came up to me, Harvey did. He put his arm around me. He said, Brother Jeff, I think that's a good idea, but let's don't do it. I said, why, Harvey? He said, because Jeff, we got cars in our church that go to places they ought not go. <laughs> Just think about that for a minute. Um, we represent our church. Look at Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Every situation of my life, I represent him first. I represent my family. I want to give my family a good name. And don't say that's weird because it says Proverbs 22.1 that a good name is rather to be chosen than precious rubies and jewels and wealth. So every situation in my life, I represent him. Everywhere I go, I represent him. Everyone I am with, I represent him. And even when I am alone, which is when most of our sins occur, let's just be honest. Even when I am alone, I represent him first. To younger Christians who've come out of the world, every, uh, on this everywhere I go, I represent, I let them know there's not a 100-mile rule, right? Get 100 miles away from home, you can live any way you want. Every, every situation of my life, everywhere I go, everyone I am with, even when I am alone, I am an ambassador I am a representation of one who was once an enemy of God and now has been adopted as a son into the family of God. Our lives are a picture of our rebellion and our adoption. 
through Christ. And we project that no matter where we go. When the Lord is looking over the earth and he looks at us, he's looking for loyal hearts. And may he find our hearts loyal. Let's pray. Father, I pray over our people today, a blessing over them today. Lord, what I have spoken to our people, they know it's your word is a, not only life, it's a reminder of our life. And today, Lord, I pray that everybody in this room, we all make commitments with an understanding that we represent you and we have a message. And the message is that you desire to reconcile with people. May we do that casually. May we be prompted by your Holy Spirit to do it. Father, as we go, as we live our own lives, as we handle our own situations, even when we're alone, I want you to find our hearts loyal. And today our commitment is to make our hearts loyal to you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad we're missing your wrath. I'm glad we're missing hell. I'm glad we're missing your work upon us and your judgment upon us. That those of us in Christ, there's no condemnation. Our hearts are loyal. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, amen. Church, would you stand? Our invitation is this, whosoever will, for whatever reason today, you come. There'll be counselors here, you come. Let's commit our lives, okay? We're ambassadors, we're representatives. And we want him to find our hearts loyal, but we want other people to find our hearts loyal too. God bless.